This episode of All My Friends Are In Bar Bands was recorded and edited on the land of the Tharawal people. We pay our respects to elders past and present, and acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded, and this always was, always will be, Aboriginal land. Enjoy this week's episode. Hey everyone, David Jim Chung here for another week of All My Friends Are In Bar Bands. Just at the start, just wanted to wish you all the very, very best for the new year. I hope that you are safe, I hope that you are well, I hope that you and yours are being looked after and that you are all taking care of yourselves in this fucking wild time in this country right now. Today's guest on the podcast is June Jones. June Jones is a Melbourne-based singer-songwriter. You might know their previous band, Two Steps on the Water, Uh, but you may well also know them as a solo artist because last year they put out their solo debut album entitled Diana and they did a huge national tour in support of it, opening for friends of the show, Seeker, Lover, Keeper. This was on one of those shows. We recorded this before a show at the Heritage Hotel in Bulai, which was a wonderful show. One of my favorites on that tour. I went to several nights on that tour and that was definitely one of my favorites for sure. June is a really interesting person. Uh, They're very funny and witty and charming. All of what they experience and process goes into their music, which is quite compelling and dark and interesting. And uh, honestly, the album Diana is uh, one of the strongest debuts I heard in 2019. So if you haven't heard it yet, make sure you get across to their Spotify or their Bandcamp page and check out that album right away. It is an absolute beauty. I want to give a big thank you to June for taking the time to speak to me for this podcast. And also want to give a big thank you to Mr. Adam Buncher for the sound edit on this episode. That's about it for now, but if you like this podcast and you want to support it in some way, shape, or form, then there are a couple of ways that you can do so. Leaving a five-star review over on Apple Podcasts would be absolutely wonderful. Subscribing wherever you get this podcast from. We are on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and just about every app under the sun. Just type in bar bands and you'll be able to find us there. Normally, at this point, I would be plugging the Patreon and uh, trying to... uh, get some support there, but uh, obviously money is needed elsewhere right now, so if you can, donate to the New South Wales RFS, to Wires, to Wildlife Victoria, to the uh, specific charities going on, focusing on Indigenous people and people affected on the South Coast, etc. There's plenty uh, to choose from, so maybe put your money towards that this month. However, I will say... As always, at the top of the month, a huge thank you 
to the people that are supporting over on Patreon. This literally could not happen without you, and it is massively, massively appreciated. So, as always, a huge thank you to Amy Gray, Benaya Colbin, Blake Hennequin, Catherine B., Chris Bowden, Dave McCarthy, David Beckett, David Armstrong, Elliot J. O'Neill, Eloise Young, Jeremy Neal, Jonathan Elvery, Katie Beershaw, Liam Sherlaw, Mark Wilson, Mary Gleason, Matthew Lynch, Patty Abelos, Paul McQuirter, Sian Vanapkudi, Spencer Scott, and Will McDougal. Alright, if you want to get in touch, you can do so barbandspod at gmail.com. If you would like to get in touch about a certain guest, a certain episode, positive, negative feedback, advertising, anything, office hours are always open. Barbands is open for business and would absolutely love to hear from you. Barbandspod at gmail.com, B-A-R-B-A-N-D-S-P-O-D at gmail.com. All right, let's cross now to my interview with the delightful, charming, and talented June Jones. James Young and all my friends are in bar bands. Today, I'd like to introduce you to my friend, June Jones. Hello. How are you today? I'm pretty good, drinking lukewarm servo coffee and I have some old food in my teeth. Living the dream. Mm. Living <laughs> hashtag the... to a life. Hashtag to a life, hashtag bull eye and beautiful. <laughs> you thought of everything. I've planned it all out. <laughs> it is Saturday afternoon. We are indeed in Bulleye, New South Wales. Wales and June is here on tour with Seeker Lover Keeper. Holy shit. That's a that's a crazy thing to be saying. Yes, I never thought I would say it. <laughs> until I did. And, and then I said and it. Even saying it a lot. And now all I so I, all I do all is I say that. About. Yeah, I don't have anything else to say. How did how did this how did this come about? I don't know what the uh, behind the scenes machinations were, but it came to me in the form of an email while I was high on morphine having just woken up from surgery. And I said, yes, I would love to play 12 shows with Seeker Lover Keeper in three months when hopefully I'm able to. And I am, so lucky. Perfect. Yeah. Okay, so June, we met for the first time end of 2017, I want to say. You came through playing with Crywang on a tour and we played a show together in Wollongong. True. Now, this was the first... uh, incarnation of the Ginger and Solo show, so before the backing track and the piano and stuff like that, you were just playing solo, like literally just you and a bass. Mm, yes. That was a... How, how, how did that, that uh, kind of setup come about? Well, I think I wanted to learn how to play bass, so I thought if there were no other instruments, I'd be forced to have to know how to play bass. Yeah. I guess it was kind of an experiment. I got to the point where it was sort of coming to the end of my band that I had, Two Steps on the Water. Yes. And in that band, I sort of played guitar and mm-hmm. I sang. And guitar's the instrument I've sort of been playing since I was maybe 15 or 16. Yeah. Um, and I'd done all of my songwriting on guitar. And then after that band had sort of put out two albums and three EPs, I just sort of wanted to try a new approach to songwriting so my first inclination was to write songs on on the bass 
And um, yeah, so that tour I was just singing and playing bass. And now it's kind of transformed over to, I, I don't know how to describe it, it's almost karaoke-esque in a way, like, you know, having the backing track going and like, it, it's all stuff that you've played, but you've kind of created your own little like MIDI backing track kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. So at the moment I'm performing songs from the album that I just put out, Diana. Yeah, so I'm sometimes singing with a backing track and I'm yeah. sometimes singing and playing piano or keyboard and I'm sometimes doing all three yeah, yeah it's like a it's just I think of it as sort of an invisible backing band yeah in which I play everything yeah <laughs> because I'm abs- an absolute maniac <laughs> <clears throat> hungry for control That's at every it. turn yeah <laughs> it's like that Phil Collins video for Two Hearts where he plays every member of his own band Ah, uh, did he do that? I was going to do that. I can't do it now. <laughs> it's been done three times, I'm pretty sure. So there was Phil Collins with Two Hearts, uh-huh. uh, Paul McCartney with Coming Up, uh-huh. and of course, Outcast with Hey Ya. Damn. Well, before you said Outcast, I was going to say I'm the only good musician to do it. But Savage! Um, <laughs> now that I know Outcast have done it. And I do actually remember that one. You know, I'll let them have it. <laughs> going to start some beef with Phil Collins and Paul McCartney. I mean, aren't they vegetarian? <laughs> <laughs> I think I think neither of them are wholly vegetarian, but collectively they're one vegetarian. <laughs> I think that works. I yeah, I feel like Paul McCartney... Is Paul McCartney the one who was vegetarian on yeah, The Simpsons? Him. Yeah, 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 that's right. And um, Linda McCartney Lin- yeah, uh, makes the... Does she die? Yes, about 20 years ago. Oh, damn. <laughs> I mean, that's it's sad when people die. It is. But, yeah, when I was vegetarian, I feel like I ate some Linda McCartney brand... Yeah, they're, they're still they're still out there. Still out there. Yeah, still you can still buy you can still buy wing CDs at uh, Cash Converters. You <laughs> yes, can still indeed. buy Linda McCartney sausages <laughs> at. There is all in the universe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Our atoms will live on forever. Oh, one McCartney at a time. Absolutely. <laughs> so I begin these by tracing back the initial interest in music, specifically where it changed from being something that maybe you were watching on TV, listening to on the radio, etc., to being like, this is what I want to do. I want to sing. I want to play instruments. I want to be in a band. Can mm-hmm. you tell me how music kind of factored into your childhood and your upbringing, and indeed if there was kind of a switch on moment where it's just like, yeah, I want to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think I grew up with a lot of music in the house. My dad is a musician, always had a good old-fashioned CD playing. Mm. And I think music was just sort of a big part of whatever culture I was a part of when I was a child and like in primary school sort of towards the end of primary school I think people started maybe to have a bit more maybe it's more like the start of high school have a bit more um, self-identity through music but I think for me it was kind of like year six Uh, I think the chain of events went I got Tony Hawk's Pro Skater me and my brother got Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2 on PlayStation Mm -hmm just spent all that time playing that and then I decided that I actually wanted to skate so I started skating when I was 10 I got a skateboard for my 10th birthday mm-hmm. and then like a year or two later uh, Skater Boy by Avril Lavigne came out yes. and my friend was like hey you've got to hear this it's about us <laughs> representation skater representation skater representation highly important so I think that was like a cool song and then I got the CD and um, just had a lot of feelings oh, to that, that album was fucking incredible totally I, I still listen to it quite a lot. Yeah. And I really feel like Avril was sort of like the moment when I fell in love with music. Yeah, sure. I just remember like listening to the radio a lot, stuff like Nova yeah, in Melbourne sure. and Triple M, and then kind of 
sort of at once being really into like rap. My first um, concert was 50 Cent. Hell yeah. Um, Did you ever try throwing to him? Yeah. Yes. And that was, <laughs> I went to that concert with my, my girlfriend in year six and her mum. And that was a huge moment. I remember my brother listened to a lot of stuff like Eminem. Yeah, of course. Limp Biscuit. Fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know if I can endorse it now. <laughs> Either of those two. But, um, you know, they, they meant something to my strange yeah, child lizard brain. Yeah. And then, yeah, once high school started, I think uh, maybe there was just like the option. For some reason, it felt like there was the option to start learning an instrument. And so I started learning drums. And I had a friend who was learning bass and another friend who was learning guitar. And so we started a band. My first ever live performance was playing drums to um, Californication on stage at the school assembly in year yes. seven. I was actually listening to that song on the road yesterday with um, my girlfriend, Claire, and just remembering the intense fear that I felt of having to like perform, like to play drums on stage. Yeah. And I was like so small. I was like two feet tall. I was like a foot. I was like... 20 centimeters tall I was an ant and I had to play the drums and uh, the drums were so big yeah 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 well you're like feet dangling on the stool basically you have to like lower the stool <laughs> down in order to hit the lower the stool raise the kick no not really but it, it just it was so terrifying um, and I still get like glimpses of that these days yeah and I just feel like my whole high school can be mapped out through like different phases of like musical interest there was a really important moment when I was in year seven and I think my family went on like a beach holiday in like Queensland we were like staying beachside I walk past this like souvenir shop and I see a trucker cap and the trucker cap has like a kind of plastic mesh on the back and then on the front it's got like a print of these like black and white band posters Mm. and I was like I love that hat I want that hat and then when I got home I started looking up all of the bands on the the hat Mm. on um, Kazaa. <laughs> and so that yes. was that was when I got into stuff like Suicidal Tendencies. <coughs> oh, fuck yeah. Found out through a truck cap. The Misfits. I think even like, maybe even like the Sex Pistols. Yeah, sure. Just yeah. kind of like very much like Welcome to Punk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 101. 101. Um, from a, a trucker cap in Noosa. And the rest is history. Beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> you grew up in Melbourne? Grew up in Melbourne, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So whereabouts were you? Like suburban, like? I was in a suburb called Q. Oh, sure, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. which is like definitely like a, a fancy kind of suburban, kind of inner city suburb. It's sort of like every you get to everything by like the tram or the bus. Mm. And yeah, like again, like year seven, I started like, I didn't really have many friends at school or like I would alienate people I was friends with because I was an asshole. <laughs> um, as you are at 13. As like... you are at 13. And so I started like hanging out with like, punks in the city yeah and so yeah every weekend it was like hanging on on the flinders street station flinders street steps uh there was a place called scum alley fuck yeah which was like it was behind a a amazing store called smoke dreams oh true um that was one of those stores that you know sold like incense bongs piercings and then band t-shirts that smelled like incense bongs and piercings the dream yeah So you would have had a pretty immediate slash instant access to like live music and music communities and stuff like that. Totally. Like, pretty early on. I, I started going to shows. I remember, I think my first like gig I went to, as opposed to like a big concert. Like an arena one, yeah. Was, um, it was this group called Freezer who put on sort of like all ages shows. 
And it was a, a punk kind of Battle of the Bands at Camberwell Civic Centre in 2004, yeah. I think. Like, I was, I was going to the Tote when I was, like, 14 because there was this yearly event called Scarbecue. Fuck yes. Which I will let the listener... Um, <laughs> draw their own conclusions. Draw your own conclusions. Let's just say porky pie hats and... Horn sections. Horn sections and two-tone two vans. Yeah, now we're talking. They were plentiful. <laughs> <clears throat> and just, like, prepubescent teens smoking Marlboro Reds the best yeah <laughs> i've made friends there that i still have today <laughs> what more could you ask for oh, a lot but not much <laughs> not at that age not at that no absolutely not <laughs> okay so at what age do you start like playing in bands like are you are you onto that pretty early on like you mentioned doing the high school performance mm-hmm. and stuff like that like uh were you forming bands in high school? Forming a lot of bands, naming a lot of bands, but never getting quite to first practice. Oh, um, the idea fun. of a band was always easier to access a band of people that actually like could learn a song together. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I think I had a few kind of like punk bands that had some practices but never played shows. I don't think I really played... I think my first like show outside of school was like right at the end of school and that was a like a five piece I don't know I think when we started we wanted to do something that was like in between like surf rock and soul music but really it was just like indie music of the time yeah 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 but that band was called the twisted ankles and we played a few shows that was fun what did you play Uh, I think originally I was the guitarist the noodly guitarist and then I became the, the chords guitarist who started that was when I sort of that was mainly when I started writing songs Oh, brilliant. Yeah, so I wasn't writing much or singing much before. I was, like, 17, but that's when that started. High school ends, things kind of go on from there musically. Mm. Like, uh, what sort of stuff were you doing before Two Steps? It's a good question. I think a lot of just playing songs in my bedroom. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, not not much. I think Two Steps was a, it was a very conscious decision to, like, finally... Uh, take music seriously work on a project long enough for it to like see the light of day yeah yeah so not much before then musically there was a while where i thought i wanted to be a a cartoonist like making comics yeah really so that's sort of where i put all of my energy for a couple years i wanted to be a filmmaker i studied animation for a second so music was just this private thing for a while yeah for for quite a while um i never really felt super confident with what I was doing. And, like, I had undiagnosed ADD. Well, it was undiagnosed until last year. Yeah, right. So, looking back on it, I'm like, oh, yeah, it kind of makes sense why, like, none of these ideas that I had really, like, came to fruition. Mm. Like, I remember even just finding it really hard to finish writing a single song. Yeah. Which is strange to me now because I write so many songs that never get heard by anyone. Yeah. But, like, I do actually finish the songs. Yeah, yeah. I don't actually fully know what changed, but I think it was kind of like a self, under, like a, the way I see myself changed. And before I was like, oh, I'm not a musician. I just do music. Mm. And now I'm like, oh yeah, that's just what I do. So of course I'm going to spend a lot of time working on it. It's a natural extension now. Yeah. 
Yeah, I guess it's like a, a self-worth thing. Yeah, sure. I'm like, if I can't do that, then what can I do? Yeah, totally. <laughs> I mean, like, at what point did things kind of shift? Like, uh, was it the other people in Two Steps that made you, like, were they just like, we want to form a band with you, or did you approach them, or what was the, what was the dynamic there? So, I'd actually known Sienna. Sienna and I went to uni together. Right. We um, studied Spanish at um, La Trobe in Melbourne. Oh, wow. And so we were friends, quite close friends, for a few years before that. And Jono, the drummer, and I actually went to high school together about 10 years before. Didn't really know each other that well in high school, but he also went to the same uni. Were you in the same grade? We were in the same grade, but different cliques. He was like... In, he was in the um, Not Ashamed to Admit he played World of Warcraft click. <laughs> and I was in the click of people who made me feel ashamed to play World of Warcraft. Um, because it wasn't punk. But I did. <laughs> now the world knows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now the world knows. You know, I'm out. I'm coming out. Hashtag Diana Ross. Yeah, so I think uh, Sienna and I had had ideas to... We'd, we'd played a little bit of music before, but never really like formed a band or anything. And so I think I approached her and then... Together we approached Jono, mm. yeah, and, and we started playing stuff in in my shed. And then when I moved out of that house, we took it to Sienna's shed where it was being made for I don't know three years after that. When was the first two step show? The first two step show, uh, I think it was in it was in either September or October. I want to say twenty fourteen. How many years had it been since you'd performed in front of people? There'd been a couple of times where I'd played like. An open mic, probably just like a Leonard Cohen cover. Oh, sure. <laughs> so I probably had performed. Oh, and there was actually a while where um, Sienna and I were sort of running like a open mic kind of thing in my living room mm. at a house in Carlton North. So I wasn't totally separate from performing in front of people. After that point, like playing more and more with Two Steps, like did you get a sense of reclaiming that that space and kind of being like oh, I, I can do this, you know, like, uh, I, I can, you know, perform and even do it well, you know. Yeah, I mean, definitely eventually. I think I was shitting myself every time we played for, like, the first six months at least. Yeah. But I get very obsessed with ideas, so as soon as I was like, oh, yes, the band Two Steps on the Water, this is what I do, mm. I was saying yes to, like, every show. Yeah. So very quickly, oh, God, it's such a disgusting expression, but dare I say cut our teeth? Mm-hmm. I don't really know where that comes from, but the idea of someone cutting my teeth is super unappealing. Yeah. <laughs> like, cut my teeth once, shame on you. Yes. Cut my teeth twice, shame on me. So, yeah, eventually, you know, I definitely got more confident with it. Were you surprised at the reception that the first album got? Because, you know, like, people really really responded and really Mm. really clicked with that record in particular and you know for all intents and purposes that's like the first like big proper release that you've done Mm -hmm. yeah for sure i was surprised yeah i'm still surprised when anyone gives a shit about anything i do yeah (laughs) (laughs) i mean kind of you know i'm also like i don't lack all self-worth um you know I, i think what i do is pretty good most of the time. Sure, but I'm yeah. still... But just because I think it's good doesn't mean I think people will like it. Yeah, yeah, totally. Because I know all of my projects have, have had a hard time sitting in any cate- like easily understandable category. Yeah. And so I think it can be hard for people sometimes to be like, what even is this? Yeah. Let alone, <laughs> do I like it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Did Two Steps do many shows outside of Melbourne? Not heaps. Yeah. For that first album, we did go to Sydney. Mm-hmm. We played a couple of shows at... 
Big Sound in 2017. Yeah. We played in Perth for the first record, and we also played near Perth at a festival called Camp Dugs. Mm-hmm. No, totally not not many shows outside of Melbourne. Yeah. It was just always hard to get people to pay us well enough to be able to uh, afford to it. justify it, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so you wouldn't have been in that position that so many DIY bands are in where it's just like, yeah, we're going to make negative 10 bucks on this tour, but we're going on tour, man. Yeah. I'm not quite as brave yeah. <laughs> as some of those um, those bands. Yeah. I'm tired all the time. <laughs> I'm tired regardless of, like, if nothing is happening. Yeah. <laughs> let alone, like, I'm on tour at the moment and it's great. Yeah. Um, and I'm and I'm and I'm solo, and I'm not. Don't think I'm losing money, though. I have had quite a few takeaway coffees. So I'm, at this point, I might have. Yeah, you know, have you got to get that on the rider? Well, yes, my rider is six takeaway coffees a day. Um, Any less, you will insult me. Exactly, and I shall shame your touring agency. Don't talk to me until I've had my coffee. Until I've had my six coffees. <laughs> It's, it's one of those things, like, obviously, Two Steps wasn't, like, by your intermission, there wasn't, like, this huge band or anything like that, but the people that loved it really fucking loved that band, mm. you know? Like, uh, what did it mean to you after, you know, spending years kind of, you know, making it a very private thing and, you know, mm. just mostly a bedroom thing to, you know, kind of put yourself out there in terms of the music that you were doing and, and having people responding kind like that? I mean, while it was happening, it meant absolutely everything to me um basically all i thought about for like three years four years yeah 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 just like writing songs oh god just like there was always we were always at some point in the process of making an album or an ep like i think we put out 30 songs in four years yeah i was just always i don't know drafting things in my mind or like drawing up posters or writing lyrics mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. trying to figure out how the fuck to play guitar mm. the thing is I played guitar for such a long time and I never really figured it out yeah like I feel like I winged it I, yeah. wa- I wung it <laughs> so often yeah. <laughs> and like it's really hard if anyone asks me for a, a tab of a two step song I'm like I'm so sorry but this one does not actually include real chords yeah <laughs> this one is like two uh, notes that I recognize and then yeah. like four open strings and yeah. then my f- my this note hurts and my you pinky tune finger. This string down to this, yeah. I never did that because I was like, "That is, that's just an extra factor I don't need." Yeah. My, like I can't play chess. I can't think ahead. Yeah. I'm very like intuitive um, and like impulsive, but yeah, guitar's hard. It really is. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if you feel obligated to do something interesting. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh! Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Well, with that said. Was the end of Two Steps kind of a matter of burnout or was it a matter of just kind of saying everything you felt that you needed to say within the confines mm-hmm. of that project or, like, uh, what were the kind of factors surrounding the end of that band? Well, I think when it ended, we maybe we didn't fully realise that it was ending. We were sort of like, we're going to put it on the back burner. So I think technically we said we are going on hiatus. In a way, I do sort of feel like I said everything I could say in the confines of that band. I feel like the emotional landscape of that project wasn't actually as relatable to me by the time it ended. When I was writing for that band, I, I was having a very hard time. Like, uh, And I felt like quite, you know, angry and 
and depressed and traumatized, you know, like I was expressing some like pretty hard experiences and like luckily for me, uh, my life kind of got better in a way and I just didn't really feel like yelling anymore Mm. and I just didn't really feel like making stuff that sounded like punk music and we definitely tried to like shift the sound um, within the band, you know, in rehearsal and, and when writing stuff and there was a second where maybe we were going to do this whole new thing but I think for me it just got to the point where it felt like a pretty logical conclusion and you know I think it's fine for things to end like yeah. bands, relationships TV shows you know like yeah. why not just like end them when you've done what you need to do yeah. and like don't, why wait for it to get like shitty and unpleasant yeah so Two Steps is just a British sitcom two seasons you're done totally yeah yeah <laughs> Uh, absolutely. Yeah. How do you feel about those songs, like, with a couple of years removed from mm. them? Like, I, rem- I remember the first time I saw you play was that, like, well, outside of Two Steps. I mm. saw Two Steps once it was at the old bar uh, mm-hmm. for Poison City Weekend. Uh, mm-hmm. But um, the first time I saw you play, I was kind of, like, because Sword Songs had just come out, like, about a few months beforehand. Mm-hmm. So I was... I was kind of like thinking, oh, well, they'll probably just play the songs from that and maybe maybe some new stuff or something mm. like that. But it was all new stuff. It was all, you know, completely new. None of it was two-step stuff. Like, was The it Wollongong a, show? Yeah, 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 yeah. And was it was it kind of like you felt like there wasn't a need to perform those songs anymore? Was it, was it, a, very, was it a very clear, like, cut? Where it's just like, okay, I'm not doing these songs anymore. This is what I'm doing from here on in. I was never going to play two-step songs solo. Yeah, because it, it, I think the thing about that band was it wasn't June Jones f- featuring other people. It yeah. was like everyone had a super important role. Yeah, and like you know, the songs were written to make sense in the context of like a three piece and then later a four piece. Yeah, yeah. So I was never going to play those songs solo. Mm. By that point, I had been writing solo songs that, and some of them I tried to introduce into like the band. Um, to play them with the band, but it just wasn't fitting right for some reason. Yeah. And I think at that point, I had in my mind that I was going to make a solo record. Yeah. And so I was kind of trialling... I think some of the songs I played on that tour actually ended up on Diana. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With a super different sound. Yeah, obviously, yeah. The other thing is I find it really hard to <laughs> keep playing songs. Once once a record has been made and put out, an amount of time has passed that make... that. I, after that amount of time has passed, usually I have another record of songs that I want to be playing, and I'm just trying yeah. my best to like not completely indulge my um, impulses. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. How did this record kind of formulate? Was it like kind of like you said, uh, you had it in the back of your head that mm. you were going to make a solo record, but what inspired that particular direction of you know like? no guitar and mm-hmm. you know like uh, moving uh, moving more towards keyboard and piano and stuff mm. like that and, and having that kind of loungy feel to it mm-hmm. um, oh god loungy um, <laughs> well those drum machines you know it, it's, it, it's, it's I guess nice, so nice seventh chords in there and stuff like that yeah well I think no guitar and the keyboard stuff was sort of a, a challenge that I made for myself because I hadn't really played much keyboard until a couple of years ago and even even now I'm figuring out that there are chords honestly I say even now but 
I haven't yet figured out that there are chords that aren't triads. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm still working with the most fundamental, like, 101 keyboard ideas. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just didn't want any guitar on the record, and I wanted to try something new. And the sound, a lot of it sort of came about through working with the producer, uh, Jeffrey O'Connor. Oh, yeah. Who has a great ear for synths, a great ear for drum machines, and just, like, a lot of time to work on those songs with him. Yeah, so it just kind of came about over a year. At the beginning, I honestly didn't really know what it was going to look like. Yeah. Some of those songs weren't written when we started recording the album. Yeah, yeah. And it's one of those things that, like, once it started taking shape, I could look at it and be like, well, what does this need? Yeah. From the perspective of June Jones, the solo artist, mm. what was the first show that you played under that under that name, like, post Two Steps? Uh, post Two Steps. I used to be really good at thinking... I like understanding time in the past and I feel like the older I get like the worse my memory gets yeah 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 I'm just trying to even remember when Two Steps yeah. finished <laughs> uh, I mean I think there was some overlap well what about well, let, we'll take it back mm. then what about what about just doing the the, the vocals and bass stuff like- right oh you know what before that tour I played a few I did a small tour with um, Julian Baker oh wow and that was actually I feel like that was the, the first iteration of the solo project was nylon string and vocals. Yeah. And that was mid-2017. Mm-hmm. And then there was the tour with Cryoink where it was bass and vocals. And then by the start of the next year, I remember playing playing shows with the, with the piano. Yeah. Yeah, I remember playing with Mount Erie and Julie Byrne in Castlemaine. Holy shit. Yeah, it was a wild show I felt very lucky to play it but I was I was like playing the piano and playing songs like Meryl which is now a full-blown production but at the time Mm. was me just singing and playing keyboard yeah but yeah so sort of quickly went from like guitar bass piano between mid 2017 and early 2018 and early 2018 is when we started recording the album how have you found performing without an instrument as in just standing up there and and, and singing because I know like for a lot of people the instruments that they're playing aren't just like an extension of what they're doing musically Mm. it's it's can also be like a barrier Mm. like something protective you Mm. know something to kind of you know withdraw within to and hide behind and and focus on and stuff like that but when you're up there and you know you've started the track and you're just singing by Mm. yourself you know that's that's you know it puts you in a very vulnerable position yeah for sure it does feel like that sometimes I honestly still feel like I'm figuring out like what what is the sustainable model for like live performance with the solo yeah. project and I have times when I'm like yep this is perfect basically the way I do it at the moment is I do I've got my keyboard and I will often do one or two songs without the backing track where I'm singing and, and playing keyboard mm-hmm. and then I'll have some songs where I'm playing a little bit of keyboard with the backing track and then I have some songs that are just backing track usually the ones that are just backing track I feel like they have to have quite a heavy vocal presence Yeah. either songs in which I'm literally just singing from the start to the end and there's no real instrumental moments, like pure instrumental moments. An an example of that might be, like, um, Meryl, Mm. which, like, aside from the intro and the outro, is, like, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus, with no breaks in between. Like, I have to think about my breathing so I can sing that song without 
losing my breath. Yeah, yeah. Or like Big Art Museum, which is a probably one of the more like epic vocal performances. Yeah. Now this is epic. I find that not playing an instrument means that I can focus on like giving the best vocal performance. Because um, I'm also not, I've never done a singing lesson. That's not true. I've done one singing lesson in my life a couple of years ago. Oh, wow. Because I was doing two steps and I wanted to know how to scream without hurting my vocal cords. Oh, yeah. But, like, I'm a self-taught vocalist. I don't have that many techniques aside from just what I've learned to do through doing it. Yeah. Yeah, so in an ideal world, like, I'd love to play these songs with a band. Yeah. But I'm also, like, cautious of, like, offering three people unpaid internships in the June <laughs> Jones um, tech startup. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just not Safety super... Safety not guaranteed. Totally. It's not, it's not really feasible right now. Yeah, I, I honestly, like, I have moments of insecurity when I'm performing without an instrument because I worry that people think... Honestly, yeah, that people think it's karaoke. I don't know. I guess at the end of the day, I feel like I play the instruments on the backing tracks. It's yeah. like it's like <laughs> I do have to. a backing band. They're yeah. just, um, just me you. in parallel, yeah. <laughs> parallel timelines. That's it. <laughs> yeah. I'm just invoking myself of, of of the past. Yeah. And so this tour has been the biggest proper run that, you know, the, that this current live incarnation has gotten. And, mm-hmm. you know, you're playing to a 99.9% alien audience, you know, that would have no idea about you otherwise. Yeah. Like, how, how, has, how has that been, you know, not only, you know, putting yourself out there musically, but also doing it to a crowd that you know, doesn't know you from Varsov. Yeah, it's been intimidating, but surprisingly positive. Yeah, I've I've been really happy with the reception to my performance on this tour. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I've actually been quite blown away by it. People have been really nice. Yeah. And it's great. Absolutely. Yeah. And you you mentioned kind of always kind of being on the on the back foot of like when you, once you've finished working on something and you're performing those songs, it's mm-hmm. always like, on to the next thing. Like, are you, are you already thinking or, like, writing, like, whatever the next record is going to be? Yes. I'm worried I'm writing two records. Um, already? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like if you'd asked me yesterday, I would have said, yes, I'm writing one record, and now I'm wondering if I'm writing two a double album no <laughs> oh one of those th- oh, like the Bright Eyes thing where they put out two completely different albums on the same day oh nah not that <laughs> I don't know I don't know I, again I'm, I'm in a const- I'm just in like a permanent um, identity crisis as a musician <laughs> aren't we all <laughs> yeah totally so I'm like I kind of I feel like I have you know like two thirds of an album of like songs that I've been producing on Ableton that are kind of like EDM oh wow more dancey but still very like lyrical Mm. Um, but just sort of exploring some different sounds and then I have two thirds of an album of like piano ballads yeah um, which is forever my struggle (laughs) (laughs) like my cross to bear yeah (laughs) and I'm just trying to figure out whether I can feasibly do both do both at the same time there's only one way to find out yeah totally (laughs) Well, uh, I I have complete faith in your abilities. Oh, thank you, David. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> we'll wrap it up here, but before we do that, I mm-hmm. ask this of all of my guests, and now it's your turn. I want to know about the best and the worst shows that you have ever played. Oh, Lord. Yes, indeed. Um, I have a tendency to repress bad things and forget <laughs> good things. <laughs> um, 
Does everyone answer? I mean, <laughs> you know, they, they it, sometimes it's a struggle, but they, yeah, you know, they'll, they'll usually go with the first thing that comes to mind. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, God. Oh, the worst show was when Two Steps did a, a live radio performance for PBS Drive Live, and I thought it'd be a great idea to open with our closer, and I lost my voice and had to continue playing like two or three more songs on the radio before Aldous Harding played oh, wow. with no voice. Oh my God. It was actually like, felt like I was in a nightmare. Was it words in my mouth or was it Bolt of Lightning? I think it was Bolt of Lightning. Yeah, yeah. And I just hadn't done vocal warm-ups. And I, I think, honestly, I think that's the only time I've ever lost my voice in my whole career of playing live uh, music and Accurate. it was the, the time that it was like being broadcast, <laughs> being broadcast. and recorded the and there's a god no there's not I was going to say it, look honestly there's a video of one of the performances on YouTube I think and yeah. I should ask them to take it down <laughs> you definitely should yeah it's, no, it's, it's simply no good it's characters, character assassination yeah by myself <laughs> so what about what about the best what, what comes to mind the best every time I've had a, an album launch in my hometown in so-called Melbourne mm. just the people that show up and the support that they give has always been like absolutely mind, mind-blowing mm. I'm gonna say the best was oh maybe the best was the Two Steps on the Water first album launch with Camp Cope and RVG Whoa. at the Tote what in 2016 yeah god damn yeah it was a great show oh and look at look Everyone, everyone's kicking goals this year. <laughs> totally. Class of 2016, look at us now. <laughs> <laughs> I built those bands. No, exactly. Absolutely. It's an absolute lie. <laughs> and not even a funny joke. <laughs> well, I thought it was funny. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. The album is Diana. It is out now. It will be out still by the time that you hear this. And Unless you... I take it back. I mean... <laughs> I'm reneging on it. Yeah. <laughs> I would love that. Just delete it. It's like it never happened. Exactly. <laughs> but for now, it's out there. And it is a wonderful record. It's one of my favorite records from this year. Uh, June, congratulations on it. And thank you so, so much for taking the time to chat to me today. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, David. I'm David Ginger, and all my friends are in Barbara.